Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to another big edition of the First Serve. We've uh, slid into Tuesday night this week, of course, with the uh, conclusion of the Commonwealth Games uh, last night. So great to be back with you, talking the world of tennis. Uh, Brett Phillips in the chair. Uh, your calls are always welcome. one 736 736 Your text tonight, 433 You can keep those uh, coming through. Thanks to our good friends at Tennis Direct. Go shopping to your heart's content. TennisDirect.com.au. Get that nice little... 10% discount, just chuck in that little code, first serve one zero. Wherever you are around Australia listening to us tonight, the goods will be delivered to your front door free if you deliver upwards of $150. Coming up tonight, our tour wrap uh, very shortly. We'll go inside the Australian tennis community, the largest social media-specific discussion forum here in this country, and the mailbag. Oh, the mailbag is uh, full of your UTR feedback on the back of Tennis Australia's uh, Director of Pathways and Game Development, Lawrence Robinson, who joined us in the studio last week. But let's start uh, on court with our little uh, whip around on tour, thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches. They're providing uh, coach education right across the globe, courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners. Learn locally, coach globally, great setup. They're internationally endorsed, inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. So for the second consecutive week... On this US hardcourt swing to the US Open, another Aussie pockets a title. And Kyrgios will wear the crown once again in the District of Columbia. Nick Kyrgios, unbowed, unbroken, picks up title number seven. And he went about it anything but lucky. This was well-earned for his second title at the City Open. DC, first of all, I just want to uh, congratulate Yoshi on an amazing week. You know, you beat quality players every single round. You know, you deserve to be here, and and I would never want to see a talented player like you retire. Obviously, you said we've known each other since 14, and you've grown in to be a hell of a player, so I hope you continue to play and achieve many more finals, and let's keep the record the same. So Alex Dimonor, the week before in Atlanta, Nick Kyrgios follows up with the title, uh, the 500 in uh, Washington. So he beats uh, Marcus Giron, Tommy Paul, uh, Big Riley Opelka, Francis Tiafo, uh, Michael Ima, the Swede, and then defeating uh, Yoshihito Nishioka. Uh, what a week he had, uh, the uh, the young man from uh, Japan who defeated Alex Dimonor in the first round, of course, all at the second round, because the Demon had the bye in the first, uh, the round of 32. And uh, look, for Nick, 
We've spoken about him a lot, haven't we, on this program. He's an acquired taste, uh, but <clears throat> at the end of the day, his uh, tennis has done the talking. It's as simple as that in the last uh, week. I still can't, uh, for the life of me, work out when the chips are down, why he absolutely berates the ones he loves. I'm going to get to the bottom of that uh, because no one's, um, no one's delved into that a little bit more. Uh, it's just a joke, really. But the positive is that his tennis is absolute top five. Let's, in fact... Have a listen to Ivan Dodig. Now, for those of you who know their tennis, Croatian, he's won Grand Slam titles. He's been a very good singles player, specialised in doubles the last few years. He said, because he and Austin Krajicek lost to Kyrgios and Sox, so Kyrgios cleans up and wins the doubles as well on the weekend, and he said what we're all thinking. Well done, Jack and Nick. Uh, you guys played really good today. And especially you, Nick, to win singles and doubles is uh, it's amazing. You really like... You can be damn good, man. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm challenging you be number one in the singles and doubles. You can do it. Well, he gave him the thumbs up, the courtesy of... Thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the compliment. Ivan, we've all been thinking this for so long. It, it, anything's possible if... Uh, if the mindset can continue to subtly shift, which it, uh, which it has, there's, there's a subtle shift there. We've followed <clears throat> Nick uh, long enough. Excuse me, a little croaky tonight. We've followed him long enough. We've studied him, trying to work him out. Uh, like a lot of top uh, flight uh, sports people, uh, he's an enigma in a lot of ways, uh, but his tennis is just absolutely uh, sublime. Uh, Peter's in Sydney. He's given us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Welcome in, Pete. Hi, Brett. How are you going, mate? Going well, thank you. Yeah, I phoned you, I uh, might remember a few weeks ago, about Elizabeth ha- uh, Manlik, daughter of Hannah Manlikova. Yes. And I just think she's, I've seen her recent results. She's starting to make a, a, a bit of a mark. She, she in this the tournament won by Dara Casacchino, she beat Jill Teichman, Alison Risky, and I think she had match point on Paula Bedosa. So she might be something to look forward to in the future. You're saying Manlik had those results at this tournament? That's right, yes. Is that right? In San Jose? Uh, what was the tournament that um, uh, Dari Kasakina won? The, yes. the, San, the Silicon Valley? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, no. She's, if you check there, you'll see that um, she, on the second round, she, she, she beat Jill Tyson in the qualifiers, then she beat Alison Risk, and then she should have beaten Paula Bedosa in round mm, two. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, I'm up with you. I was just thought, I thought when you were reeling those off, you were, uh, that was a very similar part to what Kasakina took. But uh, look, uh, one that we're going to keep an eye on, no doubt. I know you're right behind her, Pete. I, I can't say I uh, caught her matches uh, last week, but now that you're putting her front and centre uh, on this program in front of me, I'm going to take uh, more notice. The daughter of the uh, great... Uh, Hannah Manlikova, of course, doing uh, magnificent things across a couple of uh, nations. So a qualifier who, uh, Pete, if I still got you there, what would she be? Because I think last time we spoke, she was, what, about the three, four hundreds in the rankings? She's gone down to 200 and something. But, um, yeah, she um, she led Paula Bedosa 5-3 in the third. And I think she held match point, but just could obviously couldn't, uh, you know, one point away, I think, for a pretty, pretty yeah. good victory had she beaten Paula. And who knows what she? Who knows what the future is for her? I don't think she's got. Probably hasn't got her mother's talent. Yep. But you know, she will see how far she goes. Great stuff, Pete. Thank you as always for your contribution up there in the Harbour City. Uh, listening in through eleven seventy. If you're listening in Adelaide on SENSA or the app or uh, 
uh, sen.com.au. Great to have you with us on this uh, Tuesday night. If you want to put a tennis uh, query forward, a question, a bit of history, a little observation, you can do it right throughout the hour. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So, uh, credit where credit's due to Nick Kyrgios. He uh, played some terrific tennis in Washington in uh, uh, the last week and uh, teams up with Jack Sock to win the doubles in Los Cabos. So one of the great stops on the tour down there on the Mexican uh, Peninsula. Uh, you'd be, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hard to actually get into the mode of playing professional tennis when you look at the surrounds in Los Cabos. Uh, but Daniil Medvedev was back. He missed Wimbledon. He's the world number one and he came back in style. Daniel Medvedev pulls rank in Los Cabos, a 14th World Tour title for the world number one. Cameron Norris, reign as Los Cabos champion, is ended in emphatic fashion, but facing the world number one is as tough as it gets. And Medvedev back on the hard courts after a few months away, back with a bang. Yeah, so I mean, when, when you play against Cam, you know that you have to fight for every point. And first set, we broke uh, each other two times to be at 5 all, and he actually came back from 40-15, and I didn't play bad uh, in that game on 5-4. So I knew I just have to stay there, actually. Bleeding helped me, I think, a little bit, because I could uh, hold my nerve a little bit more. Yeah, since then, I uh, just managed to, to, to play good, and uh, yeah, it was enough today. 7-5 in the first, ran away with it in the second against Cam Norrie. Six games uh, to love. Now, throughout the week, Daniil Medvedev beat the young Aussie, who we are right behind because we believe his trajectory is going in the right direction. That is Rinky Hijikata, who's gone down the college path. Uh, Sydney boy, he's almost about to crack the top 200. In fact, in the live rankings, he did sneak into the top 200, uh, which is a mighty achievement in a sport of over 1,000 players that are ranked. So we hope he's going to keep going in the right direction. But I thought Rinky actually held his own uh, against uh, Medvedev in that uh, second round match. Uh, Milman had to pull out. Interesting uh, injury that a few people I was speaking to weren't prepared to maybe reveal some detail uh, during the week. Uh, Thanasi Kokonakis played a couple of really long, tough matches. It'd be nice to see uh, the cock just win a little easier uh, and not have to go through these uh, arduous matches. Uh, Jason Kubler... Uh, just, uh, you know, a couple of uh, uh, tough matches he's had to play. Also, qualies, of course, for the Masters 1000 uh, this week. So his last couple haven't gone in his way. But this is the roller coaster of professional tennis. And uh, Max Purcell, uh, Jordan Thompson also uh, couldn't uh, progress as far as they would have wanted. Uh, Kecmanovic and Bloomberg took out uh, the doubles there in Los Cabos. Uh, what about the performance of uh, Ludmilla uh, Samsonova uh, normally would be representing uh, Russia, uh, but of course neutral uh, like uh, so many of her compatriots these days. Ludmila Samsonova is the City Open champion. She wins the title in Washington DC, a second title of her career almost a year after her first. It's a first on hard courts. It was quite the week. Guys, a few weeks ago, I didn't have the visa to come to United States. So for me, it's amazing to be here and <laughs> to win the title. And thank you so much to the crowd for the amazing atmosphere. You're amazing, guys, seriously. Well, you got to have that visa uh, very soon. I'll never forget that time when I was uh, bailed up at Los Angeles Airport and taken into the little room where your heart just sinks and you think you're about to be deported uh, back to Australia and they... I'd like to just scare you a little bit, but uh, you've got to get that visa sorted. Well done. Uh, 
two titles now across her career, four, six, six, three, six, love. So she's jumped up from 60 to 42. She uh, defeats uh, Estonia, uh, one of the great tourist spots, Estonia. Always gets forgotten about when people go to Europe. Stop into Estonia, beautiful country. Uh, they've produced Kai Kanepi, one of the biggest hitters the game has seen. She's made the quarters of every single slam. Uh, good week. She also defeated uh, Raducanu, Emma Raducanu, last year's US Open champion, and our very own Isla Tomjanovic. So she goes from 60 to 42. We do need to sing the praises of Daria uh, Seville. What a year she's having, uh, Dasha. No ranking to now 71 in the world in the space of five months. Coming back from two really tough years with the Achilles, she makes the semis. She lost to Kanepi, took out the top seed, Jessica Pagula. She's bringing the level. Uh, there's no doubt about that, Dasher. And um, I'm not sure if she's going to get back to 20 in the world where she was, but there's no doubt she can get back in the top 50 and we'll uh, certainly... Uh, see where she lands. Uh, Jessica Bagula didn't um, fire, of course, in the singles, but won the doubles with uh, New Zealand's. And I can't say I've seen her play, but Erin Rutliff, they're not producing a lot of uh, tennis players at New Zealand. If you're tuning in on the SEN app over in uh, New Zealand, uh, drop us a line during the week, the first serve, SEN at gmail.com. Let us know of any uh, Kiwi talent uh, that is out there. Now, Peter in Sydney mentioned uh, Daria Kasekina. She won on the other side of the country in uh, Silicon Valley. A glorious fight back and a fabulous win for Daria Kasekina. She is the champion in San Jose. But that was an incredible effort. An epic first set that she lost in an hour and 18 minutes, having had a set point. I didn't get a chance to walk on the court with the puppies this year. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> because they promised if I go quarters, I would go with the puppies. Didn't happen. <laughs> I hope next year, next year I'll get a chance. So, and I want to thank every single person who is sharing now the, this moment with us on this beautiful court. Thank you, guys. I want to wish you, everyone, a lot of love, happiness and peace in this world. Yeah, peace in this world. Uh, tough for the Russians this year, no doubt. Not sure about, I don't know about the, the puppy story. Uh, they might have heard some puppies uh, come out on court uh, last year. Every tournament has a little quirk. Uh, in their presentation ceremony. But Daria Kesekina, this has been a great rise back inside the top 10 where she was a few years ago. So she's back up uh, inside the top 10 at a career-high nine. She defeats uh, Shelby Rogers, uh, beats uh, Bedosa, beats Sabalenka, and uh, a really, really solid week, of course. It was Danielle Collins last year that defeated Kasekina in that final, so she was able to uh, go one better. We saw Naomi Osaka uh, reappear um, on the tour. It's a fascinating watch, isn't it, Osaka, as to what she's going to what she's going to actually produce from here. She uh, has had the change of coach, gone back to her father again. So whim for set uh, that ended that uh, that deal when Naomi wasn't playing around Wimbledon time. He wanted to be on tour and coaching. Gone back to dad now, who's obviously a close uh, confidant. But there's been a lot of chopping and changing. We know some of the stuff she's gone through off court, and just wonder whether she's going to be able to climb to the top echelons again. She was beaten by Coco Goff, uh, 6-4, 6-4 in the uh, round of 16. So that is what has been happening on tour this week. Uh, it's the Canadian Swing. So we've got the men and the women, 1,000 events. Th these are the events you want to be doing well. Uh, the men are in uh, Montreal. So I was watching uh, Demonor and uh, Denis Shapovalov uh, earlier today before the heavens opened. 7-5 to the Demon in the opening set. Second set tiebreaker. Uh, three games apiece and then... 
uh, they had to duck for cover. So they'll all resume at around about 4am uh, tomorrow morning if you're really, really keen to see that one live. Otherwise, you can uh, watch the replay. So Kyrgios um, has gone from Washington up to Montreal. He'll play Sebastian Byers, a tough little Argentinian in the first round. We'll keep an eye on that. Unfortunately, the rest of the Australians, Kubler, Popperin, uh, Duckworth, Purcell and Ebden, uh, couldn't get through qualifying. And I've got to say today, I watched uh, Storm Sanders. And I reckon we spoke to Storm about 12 months ago on this program when she looked like she was going to be on the verge of the top 100 in singles. And her doubles has been at a very, very good level where she's heading potentially towards the top 10. But her singles had really stagnated and gone the other way. Well, today, she was so close. Uh, took on Layla Fernandez, the uh, US Open finalist. So she's on home soil. She's got a big Canadian crowd behind her under lights. And Storm Sanders today played top 100 tennis. Just couldn't get over the finish line. But hopefully Daria Seville and her comeback can inspire a few of our Australian women to really take their game now to the next level. 6-4, Fernandez uh, won that match. But... Gee, it could have been a really defining moment for Storm, but I reckon she can take maybe just a little bit of confidence uh, out of that. I'll come back to the Davis Cup selection uh, a little bit later on in the show because uh, the deadline uh, for the group stage is next Monday. It's a fascinating watch to see who Australia is going to select for this uh, Davis Cup group stage. There's a, a few choices uh, this year. All thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north. It's got tennis for everyone, perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete, it's close to Melbourne Airport. Accommodation around the corner. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Angie Harper. For those of you who are right at the coalface of tennis, you'll know her name and she's going to join me next. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve on this uh, Tuesday night. We'll be back to Monday night uh, next week. Quickly off the text, uh, BP, Nick has a very tough task in Canada. He'll meet Medvedev if he gets past uh, Sebastian Byers, the Argentinian in the first round. Can he do it? Absolutely. He can beat anyone. He can beat anyone. He just looks to be in a really good frame of mind at the moment. So we'll see how he recovers. It was a big week in Washington. He had to play a couple of games on the same day, but... Uh, he's in a good frame of mind. Brett Novak retiring from tennis. My friend Bill told me this news. Please check this out. If it's true or not, Jason and Merrillback. Haven't heard anything, Jason. We'll, do, we'll, uh, we'll dig. Unfortunately, we're not going to see him uh, for quite some time uh, because of the uh, restrictions in getting into Canada and also the United States. So uh, that would surprise me, uh, Jason, but We'll dig around. With over 4,000 members, the Australian tennis community, run by Perth-based Sharper Tennis, is the largest tennis-specific group in Australia, which means that a wealth of experience and knowledge from all areas, players, coaching and club professionals, tennis administration, parents and armchair fans can be found within the discussions in the group. A place for comment, debate and discussion on all that is happening in tennis, both here in Australia and on a wider scale. It's a private Facebook group community that you need to ask permission for to enter. Once you're in, your contribution is public within that group. Uh, The first serve was uh, allowed into this group, uh, well, probably a couple of years ago now, so we can uh, feel the temperature of the Australian tennis community. And it's great to catch up with Angie Harper, who is the moderator, and she joins us uh, from uh, Perth. Uh, Angie, great to have you on the show. Hello there, Brett. Thank you for having me on. 
Now, of course, when I first spoke to you on Friday, because we had never actually spoken before, we conversed over email and uh, text for a couple of years. I didn't know your full uh, background, and uh, having heard you just then, uh, people will detect uh, the accent. So just give us your your origins first of coming to uh, Australia and being involved in tennis here. Yes, indeed. Uh, I am a UK girl, more specifically from Essex. I've got the white stilettos to prove it, etc. And uh, we came here to Perth in 2011. Uh, my husband, Simon, has been the tennis coach for years 30 plus years and he was running a very successful tennis academy out of a government school in the UK which is pretty unheard of as most academies are either privately run or TA, uh, LTA funded yep. um, obviously back then we got hit by the GFC it's pretty drastic and school's funding was cut meant we had to check out what was going on elsewhere and Simon had a couple of interesting opportunities, one being uh, uh, working for the Junior Wimbledon Tennis Initiative at the All England Club. The other was uh, with Mahesh Patti, who just built uh, an academy over in Bangalore, but we had a slight difference. Simon didn't want to bring up the kids in London, and I didn't fancy the idea of a move to India. Simon had worked here for a couple of years in 2000 to 2002, so we knew WA was a great place to raise our kids and offered a bright future for our older ones and tennis scene was thriving. So uh, we up sticks and came over to WA and started working here, introduced hot shots into the area. Fantastic. Uh, and gee, worse places to live for Angie on the planet than Perth and exactly. WA full stop. It never rains, does it? Well, you do get some rain. In fact, you've had, uh, <laughs> you've had a bit of Melbourne, a bit of eastern seaboard weather uh, this year. That's a bit of a, yeah, that's a bit of a sore point right now, Brett, to be honest with you. It's been raining and raining and raining. We've got a couple of good days this week. So, uh, yeah, I'll be shoving the husband out to work uh, <laughs> at the end of the week. But I think enforced sofa time again next week. But uh, it doesn't last long. No, that's a good thing. No, for that is here. a good thing. If you want to, just feel good about the world. Fly to Perth, uh, get some rays on your back yeah. and you'll feel uh, nice and positive. The origins, uh, Angie, of the Australian Tennis Community Facebook group and how you actually took over uh, running it. Well, I joined the Australian Tennis Community back in 2015 when I started to become more involved with managing our, our business, Sharper Tennis. At that time, I think there was roughly about 800 members and I'd, I'd hope that social media would give me a better understanding of how tennis operated across the whole of Australia. Um, when I joined up, a notice would pop up every time I logged into the group asking for an administrator. So I reached out to the um, existing uh, administrator, a chap called Julian Arnold, who's still quite active in tennis circles, yep. and offered to, to help him. It turned out that Julian had actually uh, resigned as admin and left the group, and a young lad, he was only 15, had just picked it up. He'd seen that button and pressed it and taken the administration role. So... Uh, I messaged the lad and sort of said, can you please reinstate Julian, uh, which he did very quickly. And uh, Julian asked me to stay on as admin and to help with the running of the group. Uh, I think it was about a year later, Julian decided he wanted to move on to other things. So I've run it on my own since about 2017. We've now got 4.7 thousand members. And as you rightly said at the top of your introduction, we're the largest tennis-specific discussion platform in Australia. So, Angie, when you when you sit back and moderate this and 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 coordinate it, what what do you believe its purpose should be? Now, when I log on and have a look at 
there's obviously a wide range of topics that are brought up. There's a, there's a big mm-hmm. contribution from lots of different people across tennis who I imagine, and you might uh, tell me a little bit more, uh, give me a little bit more background on the, I suppose, type of people. Because obviously we've got people who are you know heavily invested in tennis who are part of this mm-hmm. group. Um, and, and then we've got probably people who are part of the group who are also connected with the governing body of the sport in, in Tennis Australia as yep. well. Yep, sure thing. Well, when I first joined it, as I said, there was only about 800 members and there wasn't really any clear purpose for the group. Um, I quickly realised that despite the appearance of there being a centralised model for tennis in Australia, it's actually managed and accessed very differently in each state and territory. So my um, purpose for the group, the way I wanted to shape it was to actually build a community where like-minded folk can share ideas and learn from each other to help grow tennis at all levels. I wanted to understand how tennis works in different parts of the country, what is actually or what was working and what wasn't working. I also particularly wanted to, because I was still fairly new to Australia, I wanted to raise the profile of up-and-coming players from each state. I wanted to know who was who, who were these um, young men and women who were playing and winning tournaments, who was progress- progressing up the, up the ladder in the game. So I wanted somewhere where we could celebrate their successes, follow the journeys, and so that people could become familiar with their names as they progressed. Yeah. Um, I feel it's very important for kids coming into the game to have role models and um, we're fortunate that we do have a lot of those in our sport. Um, you asked about a general profile of the membership. As, as you said, we've got we've got a diverse mix of players, industry professionals, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, parents, armchair fans, and it's a very busy group with over 81% of members actively engaged, which is a, a pretty good statistic, to be honest with you. So I'm so, proud of that. Um, absolutely. Are you happy with on. where it uh, where it is? Uh, because uh, is there an, an, uh, another type of direction you would like it to take, or are you? And obviously, you have you know strict rules, and those who join the mm. the group know that uh, what they can say and what won't be uh, acceptable. And obviously, that that goes for whether it's a a social media yeah. page, whether it's me on radio here, or the rules of you know defamation and. Lots of different things. Uh, yeah, there can exactly. be There can be strong opinions, but lines that can't be crossed. But as you have learnt since you've been in Australia for quite some time now, this is a very, very passionate community, particularly at that, that grassroots level. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, as you said, I mean, I try and admin the group fairly and without discrimination. The integrity of the group is extremely important to me, and I'm a big believer in being able to... Um, ha- debate with people respectfully, and it's okay to disagree and you can do so without being rude or abusive. And you can often learn from reading other people's viewpoints. And there's a, there are mixed viewpoints in the group. So it's important to respect that everybody has a voice. You also mentioned about um, I'm quite careful about entry into the group. I've got a set of questions. I check everybody out who uh, applies to join the group so that I know that everybody has a valid reason for being in the group. And I hope that the majority of them will feel able to contribute, um, obviously, in some way, shape or form in the future. And that 81% means that they are actively engaged, but that can be not just posts, it can be likes and it can be comments and it can be views. Um, Obviously, there are some voices that are louder than others, but um, the stats show that the group receives a lot of traction, so that's great. Um, Where I want it to go, 
I want it to be a place where the tough questions can be asked yeah. and I would also like to see solutions discussed. I see it as a good platform for learning from each other, whatever field you're in in our sport. I also want it to be a place to celebrate the positives. There are obviously times where it can be quite a feisty arena, um, so I'm careful to try and encourage the positives as well. There's nothing better than seeing when the clubs post their pictures of their busy bees or their tournaments or just seeing the real folk who yeah. are at the core of our sport. Angie, can I ask, um, in terms of you know the, the passion of this uh, tennis community, because there are people who you know write as part of the group who, who write uh, you know, lengthy... Um, uh, comments uh, as to how they're feeling, and these are not just little short and sharp comments. These are, you know, some there's some time really yeah. uh, spent on this, and I sort of look at it as this page being sort of the the radio talkback equivalent. Now, uh, people mm-hmm. uh, who follow tennis probably aren't used to having a, a tennis program on radio where they can get on. This is a 24 hour seven days a week sports station where uh, people call in. Uh, obviously talk um, you know, about the AFL, their clubs, uh, footy being the big driver of this radio station with uh, incredible passion. Uh, probably people aren't of that mindset to do it from a tennis point of view, but they certainly do it as a part of your group. So do you think there has been some traction gained as a result of people's passion that actually people have stood up and really taken notice? And that's, I suppose, people who are making big decisions about tennis in this country? Because I just think there's so much effort that goes into... Uh, putting all these comments together by people that they'd probably love to see, you know, some sort of outcome come out of it. I think that's an that's an interesting question. I mean, there is obviously a deep-seated love for tennis in this country. People love the game itself and the community that they've built around playing each week or, or watching their kids play. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge believer in building community through sport and there's nowhere is this more apparent to me than in the local tennis club, whether you're a player or not. Um, we're also very fortunate that here in Australia, tennis is always happening in some way, shape or form. When the rest of the world, for instance, is in winter, it's our high season, we're playing. But when the weather changes here for us, the rest of the world is having slams. So tennis is a year-round passion for us. And yes, people do craft their replies very carefully. Um, And there are definitely people who are in decision-making roles that pay attention to the discussions within the group. Do they act on them? Well, who knows? I think I'd be the last person to know whether they are or not, to be honest with you, but mm. we all know that they're there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, look, it's uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of passion. I'm about to go into a mailbag segment here. I mean, we've been sent, you know, mm-hmm. 10, uh, 10 lots of correspondence on the back of our UTR discussion uh, last week. I've got a couple more minutes, uh, Angie. What do you think, you know, someone that's you know, at the coalface of the game, what, what do you think, uh, I suppose, the, the biggest issues in the sport, maybe the top one or two well, in, in your mind? Yeah, I think I think you obviously named the top one at the moment right now. It's definitely UTR. Um, I think the lack of education around the delivery has created confusion about how the system's best utilised for the benefit of all players and potentially for the very top tiers, not having a ranking system running alongside may prove to be a disadvantage when the rest of the world is adopting the world tennis number. So... I mean that's that's by far and away the biggest concern for 
for most people involved in the tennis world at the moment. If you're looking for other pressing issues, I think um, it concerns me with my role with the group that there are many people who don't feel heard or valued despite having many years of experience and expertise in the sport and there's considerable concerns regarding the costs of the administration which seems to be widely felt is taking away from the delivery of tennis at ground level. Um, those, to me, seem to be the biggest issues yep. at the moment. I think it's a fair enough comment. You are doing a great job with this group. It's a forum where people can have a say. Thank we have you. a forum here on this radio program where people can have a, a say about tennis. As I leave you, I, there's something in the water in WA at the moment. It's a beautiful place to play <laughs> tennis, Angie. All those beautiful grass courts. We've got young Talia Gibson yeah. winning ITF titles. Talia Preston doing some nice work at junior uh, Grand yeah. Slams. Uh, what, what's the secret over in WA at the moment? Well, there is no doubt that tennis does very well over here. We've got some great players coming out of WA, as you as you mentioned, and obviously Matt's recent Wimbledon results have given us all a bit of a, a big boost as well, so we're flying high with yeah. that. We're about to head into our summer league season, which Tennis West does a fantastic job of managing, and I think we're lucky enough to boast one of the best league competitions. There's 32 weeks a year of well-run league competition, and we've got one of the best competitive leagues in, in the world, I'd go so far as to say. The club scene is certainly alive and kicking. We've got volunteer fatigue as much as anybody else has. Um, but, you know, the club scene is certainly thriving. It's a large state, so I have to say that it's tougher for those out in the regions. There's some vast distances to cover out there, but there's good folk working hard to deliver tennis to our remotest areas. Jaron Kretschmann, Darren Patton, there's a couple of folk who are off out all the time delivering tennis to, to people most far-flung areas. We've got a great CEO, Brett and his team. We've got some big plans for promoting our state leagues, uh, which could potentially influence tennis around the whole country. So, yeah, things aren't looking too bad for us here in WA. Brilliant. Got to get over there at uh, some point. Uh, Angie, really appreciate the chat. If people do want to uh, find the Australian Tennis Community uh, Group, uh, the largest uh, social media group talking tennis in this country, if you're on Facebook, you can ask to be added and Angie will go through the process uh, with you and, and join a very passionate tennis community. Uh, really appreciate the chat and we'll uh, talk to you soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Brett. Look forward to hearing the mailbag. Angie Harper joining us uh, from uh, the West. All thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis Courts, here trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com The First Serve Your home of tennis You've got mail Oh yes indeed, we have a lot of mail after uh, Lawrence Robinson joined us in the studio last week, uh, Tennis Australia Director of Pathways and Game Development UTR was the focus for the hour Now, uh, the First Serve got hold of the New South Wales Hardcourt Association minutes of the latest committee meeting UTRs. The situation surrounding UTRs is interesting. Whilst we used almost exclusively the UTR points, it is not working out to the extent we imagined. Example, using Division 1 of Esker Stevens, we find the team rank number one is currently last 
and the team ranked number two is currently second last. Where the system can cause some headaches is in the following. The example being Division 1 of the President's Cup. After final gradings, the difference in points was 0.01% between 6th and 7th. As a result, the team being the lower rating was placed in Division 2. Needless to say, they were more than disappointed. To make this situation worse, the team with the lower rating after an update in UTRs was now ranked 4th and would have been in Division 1 had these points been allocated earlier. For any inquiries regarding playing or, uh, sorry, players' UTR or league manager profiles, you can ask them direct any uh, further questions to playertennis.com.au from the minutes. Reports from various centres indicate an almost hysterical obsession with UTRs. Is this what we want from our game? Now, this one came from uh, Victoria. The reason I disagree with the UTR is it forces a player to try to win every game in a match which can't be good for the player or the art of the game. Say you're planning two or three tournaments in a row. You are going to want to pace yourself and get through it, and in the end, the ultimate result is the win, not your scoreline. UTR might be good for some things, but relying on it as a true ranking can't be good for the game. Time will tell. In saying all this, the Australian ranking was totally BS. Now, this is from a tennis parent in New South Wales. I wanted to highlight a problem with the New South Wales Winter Open held at Sydney Olympic Park this week. And I think some of the problems come down to the UTR and older, higher-rated players not wanting to play lower-rated or younger players. This is a Premier Series event with the winner winner of the singles getting $1,200. It has been run over a whole school week. Looking at the entries in the women's uh, event, every player, uh, bar perhaps one, is still at school. I thought that previously Tennis Australia discouraged tournaments during term time. The women's final uh, being played tomorrow is between two 14-year-olds. This was sent last week. Uh, They are both uh, very good players, but uh, is this the age group that TA is trying to attract when holding these type of events? Is $1,200 too much for these young girls to be winning? I definitely think so. Where have all the open players gone? Surely these uh, open events should be sanctioned for players over a certain age, say 16 or 17. The juniors have so many events. Their time will come to start earning prize money. I think Lawrence Robinson's suggestion when he had, when suggested when you had him on the show last week that this is an area that needs to be looked at, and I hope they do. Juniors should do their time playing in junior tournaments, and then maybe many of the open-age tournament players that have disappeared will start to come out of the woodwork again. It is a very sad state of affairs. Just to add, uh, read the tennis landscape, especially for females. Lawrence also mentioned that there are more competitive opportunities for players. This is absolutely not true for females. If you drill down further into the older teenage players that are playing in the numerous UTR tournaments run by tennis operators, you would see that because most events are uh, mixed gender, most of the participants are male. 16, 17, 18-year-old females do not want to be playing against males. It would seem that the providers of these tournaments are getting their numbers with many, many male players signing up so they don't see the need to split the genders. And read the country tennis scene. My now 17-year-old daughter and I spent many of her early years happily travelling the New South Wales countryside to go to great tournaments in Bathurst, Newcastle, uh, Shoalhaven, Batemans Bay, Albury, just to name a few. We would travel with friends and have a great time in these country towns. The atmosphere was so fun, but also the kids were there to compete and try to increase their ranking. 
and they didn't have to stress too much if they lost a match or had a bad day. I do understand that the UTR is a more accurate tool for assessing a player's level, but it is so obvious that this is what has killed the big, fun regional tournaments that we all used to uh, take delight in travelling to, so devastating for the country operators. A couple more uh, coming into uh, the mailbag. Um, Stephen Huss's article was referred uh, last week on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. 2005 Wimbledon champion doing some great work with Jason Kubel. He wrote an opinion piece about UTR. Into the mailbag. I spoke with Steve about this article. It was written from a US and philosophical viewpoint from him. Well written, articulate. However, we discussed the limitations and detrimental effects here in Australia thus far, which he didn't know anything about. We agreed the UTR concept was good, but he conceded it was never designed to be a standalone national rating system and that the US still have tournaments which are knockout and seeded via USTA rankings, not UTR. He mentioned that all reports he has been getting are that the ITF World Tennis Number, which has now been used by the USTA, was seen as a much more accurate and appealing system as it helps juniors get into ITF junior events and the qualities of 15K and 25K events, which the UTR doesn't. The same is true here, and that is why... Low-level juniors have been travelling to Fiji and Asia to try to get on the ITF scoreboard as their UTR doesn't help. We might slip in our last break and we'll come back with the rest of the mailbag. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Back to the first serve. Let's uh, finish off uh, the mailbag. Uh, some collective thoughts that got sent to me from across regional Victoria regarding the discussion on UTR uh, last week. And I begin by saying that Stephen Huss's opinion piece is excellent whilst it also acknowledges the issues affecting regional tennis. No one could argue with the aspirations of his opinion piece. For much of the tennis landscape, UTR is a fantastic tool, a point that has been completely missed and one that we have been at pains to point out to the governing bodies is that for the tournament segment, the UTR system architecture is disconnected from and not supporting or working in a concert with the outcomes that TA is seeking or many of those outlined in Stephen's article. The evidence is contained in TA's own data on tournament participation levels, down regionally through July on average by 36%. To overcome the disconnect, the response from governing bodies has and is to embark on a sales roadshow rather than addressing the core issues, indulging in the spin, pivot and a gilded lily interpretation of data, the background of which remains uh, very, very rubbery. And the final comment I've got here, the most disappointing response, though, was in relation to our primary area of concern, regional tennis. It seems clear from Lawrence's response he and Tennis Australia are not listening. The fact that TA knew the rollout of UTR would give rise to issues with regional tennis, yet the new competitive play framework is rolled out, and in any case, desperately disappointing. Real or perceived, it says a great deal about the regard the governing bodies hold for regional tennis. To listen to Lawrence on Monday night, acknowledge the existence of the issues and in the same breath respond counter to what is, rather than relying on one or two sanctioned events, they, the regions, now have an opportunity for more competitive play. Is nothing more is nothing more than spin. In Lawrence's mind, the solution Tennis Australia seems to be the problem of their own creation is to put it on the regional club. So that is what is... Uh, come into the mailbag re-UTR, a topic that uh, won't go away. Uh, we'll certainly dedicate some um, uh, continued time on this amongst all the other uh, tennis uh, topics that we're covering. 
If you missed that interview with Lawrence Robinson last week, you can find that, of course, at thefirstserve.com.au. Uh, thanks to Yarra Tennis Coaching at Eaglemont Tennis Club. It's just off the Eastern Freeway. Junior and adult programs available. Shane Scrutton uh, with over 30 years coaching experience. whose mission is to improve your game, whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player. Check out yarratennis.com.au. There's a couple of texts. I've just simply run out of time. Uh, one on uh, Andre Rublev. What do you make of Rublev? I'm going to park that and come back to it next week. But, yeah, probably shouldn't be losing to a player like uh, Nishioka in a semi-final. Uh, he's thereabouts, isn't he? Andre, super competitive, does struggle to control his emotions. I mean, the Russians have always been quirky. They wear their heart on their sleeves. Some are more demonstrative uh, than others. Uh, but he... Um, yeah, it's done a pretty good job in a sport. Sometimes we mark hard, particularly in this era of absolute superstars of Federer and Nadal, Djokovic, Andy Murray being part of that big four for quite some time. There's a lot of guys who have been thereabouts and are going to carve out pretty good careers, win-loss, prize money, uh, tournament wins, uh, but are not quite maybe good enough to get up to that real top echelon. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, appears to lack competency at the net. Uh, should be demolishing players like Nishioka. And yet again, he couldn't execute when he had a clear talent gap on his opponents. So I think there's still some upside uh, to Rublev. He's had a long-time coach. There's another uh, text that's come in about the uh, situation of Australian tennis. I will definitely hold that over and bring that up uh, next week. Back to Monday, 8 o'clock next week. Hidden beautifully. Keep an eye on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. And- Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.